Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening let's get right into it i know everyone has opinions uh we got another june 23rd surprise yesterday uh it was uh, a little unconventional some hmm. people feel good about it some people don't so let's get right into it let's lead things off though with the fly by herself kelly hankel I continue to be excited about playoff hockey, even though I continue to be unconvinced it's not going to happen. Or, unconvinced it is going to happen. Yeah, but it, it seems like hockey has the best plan of everybody, which, Jesus does. Christ, I can't imagine I just <laughs> said that. But, like, it seems with the hub cities and everything, I do think this is going to happen unless there's a huge outbreak outside of teams that play in Florida. Yeah, I mean, the fact that there have been some positive tests and the NHL is like, oh, it's fine, nothing to see here, we're just going to keep going. Like, I figure it's probably going to happen, but I'm excited. No, it's, hey, I think thank it's goodness st- for that hockey man mentality, right? Yeah, right. I, I think it's going to start. Whether it finishes is another right. story entirely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I do think it will start, but whether there actually is... A Stanley Cup awarded this season. Oh, well, once they start, there is no way they're going to cancel it. No, they did. They did during the Spanish flu epidemic. Like, they started That was a hundred years ago. It wasn't on television. I'm because there saying. was none. They I, can't have players die, which is what it comes down to. Uh, like you know, can't they, though? No, they can't. I'm not saying I want it or that they should. I'm just saying they'll be like, what's one guy? I just, I'm in. It'll be more than one, though. I'm envisioning a scenario where, like, it gets to the conference final and an entire team gets, you know, positive test back. And then what do you do? This is just a four. Yeah, like, what if that whole opponent? first line or something goes down in, like, game seven? You do the you, real, you realize how close hockey players are in a locker room, even if they're trying to do social distancing and in a practice. Like, if one guy on a team gets that in a playoff series, everybody's getting it. The replacements, too. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Would this, watch. Bring in Mystery Alaska. They just get to sub in for somebody. I like where this is going, okay. Yeah, like, why not? Why I have no idea what you're talking about. I know you movies. know. I know you know, yeah. Steph. We From theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So I'm going to do a little uh, self-promotion here. Um, from, like, m- middle to end of March through middle to end of May, I have been working on a tracking project about the Flyers 4-check. And uh, um, finally finished it up, like, end of May. have been doing some some work on the analysis of it. And now I'm starting to post articles on it. So uh, on Tuesday, I posted the intro. Uh, today, I post an article about the guy I did the project with, who's a member of the band Animal Collective. And tomorrow, I'll be posting the first 
set of results from the project, which is going to be on the uh, the best flyers forwards uh, at being the first man in on the forecheck. So uh, if you're interested in reading about all that stuff, I'm going to be publishing it on theathletic.com. Please subscribe for at least the next few weeks every Thursday. Charlie, I read just your intro to it, and I was exhausted. <laughs> Can you imagine having done this? Be sure to subscribe split. through Charlie's links, by the way. That's yeah, then I detail. get credit for it. Um, yeah. So that would be cool. But yeah, so it's just it was something just to kind of keep myself occupied and, you know, a lot of free time during quarantine, a lot of, you know, us trying to figure out ways to fill our time productively. So I figure why not do a tracking project and hopefully the stuff that we find from the tracking project uh, will be interesting to our readers. That's the hope. Last but certainly not least, Stephlicious D. Steph Driver. I have done so many podcasts in the past 24 hours. <laughs> I have done so many podcasts in the past 24 hours. You guys need to go subscribe to our feed if you haven't already and just listen to the other stuff that we talk about, whether it's Kelly and I talking about the summer and how we feel about being tan and bathing suits and men that say hey or hi, how you doing on <laughs> Or, hey, what's up? That that was the one. Hey, how you doing? Apps. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. Yeah. No, it's, hey, what's up? Like, yeah. texting me. Like, uh. just tell me what the fuck you want. Um, or Bill and I screaming at each other over how stupid baseball is. Or that baseball exists in the first place, which apparently is news to me. Um, we've got some really, really great content. Um, and if you haven't already, hit that subscribe. Oh, no, wait. That's later. That's later. That's later. Yeah. But definitely go in and give us five stars and say nice things about us, but specifically me because I need it. Thank yeah. you. All right. So we're just going to uh, – today uh, we're going to get to Oscar Lindblom in just a second, but I, I just wanted to lead it off today with uh, a little ode to Rod the Bod. Uh, hopefully he gets announced as a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. By the time you're listening to this, the announcement is this afternoon. It's 1 o'clock on Wednesday. We're recording. I don't know if he's in yet. But I really hope he is because, man, the guy, he's one of those players that, yeah, we're maybe a little obsessed with as a former flyer, but it's for all the right reasons. And his legacy in hockey, uh, captaining, you know, an expansion, well, not an expansion team, but a Southern Belt team, uh, the Hurricanes to a cup, winning a couple of Selkies, having gone to three Stanley Cups, 452 career goals, almost 1,200 points. The guy belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's all there is to it. Rod the Bod, best hair in the history of hockey, I think. Um, that's hmm. it. That last part was a bit of a hot take, but oh, I'll come allow on. It. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> oh, but. my God. After a game, after a game, he'd be doing an interview by his locker, and his hair would look better than anyone's I've ever seen. He was a specimen. From the and neck down. jacked all hell. I just, yeah. <laughs> I just think he's. If he doesn't get in, we need to reevaluate how we he's do this got thing. To. We should already be reevaluating halls of fame. I think they're garbage. But uh, we fine. know, Steph. We know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's get to uh, that June twenty third surprise the Flyers gave us yesterday. It was not the trading of the captain and the leading goal scorer. It was not uh, straight up Braden Shen one for one for Yuri Laterra. Uh, it no wasn't any of the trade. things. It wasn't any of the things we've grown accustomed to. 
It was Oscar Lindblom on the ice at the practice facility. This spawned about 20 minutes of yelling on yelling about sports between <laughs> Steph and I. A whole lot of Twitter content. Some really just beautiful pictures on the old internet. What did everyone think seeing Oscar Lindblom out there? I'm going to get yelled at, but I liked to see it. Also, I, I kind of feel like the Flyers did the 23rd on purpose. I'm going to choose to believe that they did just because it's fun that way um because we're used to like extremely disruptive catastrophic things happening on this day and they're like nah we're gonna give you something good um but i thought it was great to see him out there um i don't think it's my place to comment on his medical situation i just assume that he's taking the proper precautions and he looked like he was having a hell of a time and it's probably good for him to get some exercise so it was really nice to see I think you like everyone has to be extremely happy that his treatments have yeah. gone so well that he can do this. Like that's that's to me the number one thing is that like if his treatments weren't going well and if they didn't think that there was a chance that he could play hockey again, I don't think he'd be out there, especially not out there with the team. So it's an unbelievably cool thing to see him out there. That said, I think it's perfectly reasonable to be extremely happy that he's out there and also be worried that he's out there in the middle of a pandemic. Now, in the end, it's a decision that comes down to his doctors, and his doctors gave him the go-ahead. But I, I, I understand why people had mixed feelings about it. However, it's an extremely, extremely unequivocally great thing that Oscar Lindblom's treatments have gone so well that he can go back out there and skate with his buddies. And he looked good. I mean, he looked good skating out there. It wasn't like, you know, a, a weak man out on the ice skating around. Like, he looked good. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't an intensive well, drill, no, but... I mean, like, yeah, he looked better than no, me. No, I, I mean, <laughs> where I come from with all of my concerns, and, and Kelly, I'm not going to yell at you. Like, I don't yell. I didn't um, mean it in a mean way. I meant, all like, right, I yell, Bill I yell, I yell at Bill. Bill. Just like, say she doesn't yell. <laughs> I, I know. We but have like, five I years about... of history of podcasts together that <laughs> differ extraordinarily folks. on that subject. <laughs> Listen, shut the fuck up and let me talk. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, in, in, in the end of, at the end of the day, I am so happy to see him alive because you hear, you hear cancer and you panic. Everybody panics. And these are players, you know, specifically Oscar Lindblom, but also anybody else that was on the ice with him. These are players that we follow from sometimes before they were even drafted. So you inherently care about them on some level. So you hear that they have cancer and you're terrified and it scares you. And then we're all in a global pandemic and I'm just terrified that everyone I care about is going to die, let alone hockey player that has cancer. So I think that it's totally reasonable to be concerned that he's going to die, whether it's through COVID or through cancer, but... His smile, geez, my sunshine boy, just consistently makes my day better. Consistently. Well, Steph, I'm going to tell you what I've been telling everyone I know for 10, 15, 20 years. You don't have to worry about me. I'm indestructible. Um, well, that I know. I know that already. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like Charlie said. Like, uh, Yeah, it, it is definitely good to see him out there. Is it concerning? I don't know how it couldn't be. There's no way you don't think, 
at least like, is that a good idea? Like, it doesn't seem like one, but man, he's a, he's a grown ass man and has to live his own life. And if he got the go ahead from his doctors, if he's comfortable enough doing it, awesome. I am so happy to see him out there. Like everything he's been through, he gets to make every decision and not have us I, I don't want to say question it because here I am saying, mm. is that a good idea? But he gets to make these decisions, and if he and his doctors agree that it's okay, who the fuck am I? I'm some hockey podcaster. See, uh, I went so, all the way in the other direction and just immediately assumed that, like, he was on the ice with, like, I don't know, four or five other dudes. That, like, those four or five guys have been tested, like so many other NHLers, and probably don't have it. So it's, like, literally no risk. For him to be out on the ice. That's if the place you can't you can't say there's no risk. But there is there's absolutely risk. The, because the, whether it's the guys on the ice or something that he touched in the locker room that someone else has touched, like he is immunocompromised. Right. Period. But if everyone on the ice had tested negative, there's no one in the building but these flyers that are practicing. You assume that they're cleaning. Like, I just, I, I guess, I don't know. I'm assuming that. What if the cleaning crew has it? Prof- I, I would imagine that a professional sports organization that's engaging in, like, a very thorough testing protocol as a result of them trying to get their league back going is probably being more careful than most. I mean, I, th- uh, I think see, that's. You're giving, you're giving the NHL a lot more credit than we ever have before and that I ever would now yeah. you know I that mean, being it's, said it's not the nhl it's the philadelphia flyers it's, the flyers. it's, Com- it's comcast it's virtua that's who i'm putting this i'm giving the benefit of the doubt to and oscar well, Lindblom himself you know how i feel about virtua that i was actually physically stroking out in their emergency room for four hours and then another 12 before they realized that i was having a stroke so let's <laughs> that's how i feel about virtua yeah, I mean, I think the, um, I think the disconnect is basically between like people who want to trust that the league is doing this well and people who don't, and the people who don't think the league is doing this well are going to be a lot more skeptical than the people who do. I'm just I don't even think that they're doing it poorly. I just think that putting all of your trust into the this is going well, everything is fine basket is foolhardy. Um. Uh, you know who knows is is what it comes down to at the end of the day who knows the nba has apparently been doing the same stuff and and players are testing positive day after day after day after day another one um malcolm someone just tested positive within the past couple minutes um like this is it's happening austin matthews has allegedly tested positive like there's it's happening like this isn't something this isn't something that isn't happening and it's not something that is made up no matter how careful you are people are still catching this virus I, that's I think, that's just yeah. where i'm coming from at the end of the day i i think i mean the thing with somebody like austin matthews is that like he yes it, he it appears that he he was he was positive or whatever but like the chances that he got that at the facility seem fairly oh slow. very low like and I, but but he's at the facility but he's at the facility yeah so just to kind of give some background to the people listening who, who don't know exactly how this is working at this facility so basically the way it works is with testing in phase two for you to get for you to be approved to enter phase two you take a test 
And obviously, if you if you are positive for coronavirus, you can't jump into phase two. If you're negative, then you can join. Then from that point on, you're tested twice a week. So not every day. You're only tested twice a week. Every day, you have to take multiple temperature checks, and you're, you're checked for symptoms. So... It's as Steph says, it's not foolproof. It's not like these guys are getting tested every day because they're not, they don't want to use up that many tests on a daily basis for this. Once the actual league gets back going, the plan is to test these guys every day. But in phase two, they're getting tested twice a week. So, in theory, it is possible for someone to test, you know, test negative when, when he gets there, go out and about in his life doing whatever you know, not catching this at the at the facility, but catching it somewhere else, then goes to the facility, is asymptomatic at the time with no temp with no elevated temperature, goes to the facility and infects people. That is possible. Now is it likely they're they're doing a pretty good job of cutting down on the risk by testing twice a week and by doing the temperature and by doing the symptoms thing. Like if you if you even have minor symptoms of like one of the nine things that are on the checklist, you're not going to be allowed in the facility. So they are they are being conscientious. That said, there's risk there. It is possible that an asymptomatic person could slip through and infect teammates and people in the facility. So in the end, it's not that they're not they're not doing things. It's that there is a potential risk. That said, there's there's so much of all this, even just in society, is just about everyone has to have their own mental idea of what risks they are willing to take. And the hope is is that everyone is doing a good job of that. You know, that if if you have someone close to you who is at risk in some way, if you are at risk in some way, then your risk reward, you know, balance of how much you want to put yourself out there is gonna be different than someone who is younger. And, uh, and and who isn't at risk. And then those people probably shouldn't be putting the people at li- in their lives that are at risk at more risk than they should be by coming in contact with them. So the question for, for Oscar Limbaugh in this situation is whether this is a worthwhile risk. And I think in, in his mind and clearly in his doctor's mind, they've deemed it that the, the reward of the mental health boost that's going to come from him practicing with his teammates after battling cancer and the fact that he clearly wants to try to start a comeback you know, he wants to try to get back on the ice and he missed six months of doing pretty much anything physical. So he's got to start somewhere that those rewards outweigh what they see as a minimal risk, not in, not a, and not in like non-existent risk. The risk is there, but they see those rewards as outweighing the minimal risk that he's going to get. And that's the situation they're in. That's the situation that the, the, the doctors and Oscar Lindblom and the flyers came to now could that be an incorrect interpretation of the risk? I mean, hopefully it's not. Hopefully he doesn't get this, and hopefully everything goes fine. But the idea that there is no risk, I think, is is an inaccurate way to look at it. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, I, there, it's there's definitely always a risk, without a doubt. Uh, but yeah, it's it's to me, it's it comes down to him. If and it, you know, an informed decision from his doctors and the team allowing it. But, man, if he's comfortable with it, the motherfucker's living through cancer. He gets to make his own decisions. Yeah, and I agree with that. Like, he's obviously a grown man, but, um, you, you know, th- what I think is really funny, and I don't I don't know if funny is the right word, but that's what I'm, I'm rolling with now, is that there's been, I mean, my, my mentions were a hot fucking mess yesterday just for saying, He's a cancer patient. Like, this is dangerous for him. 
Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people who you've never seen talk about mental health were like, it's his mental health on the line. Like, listen, these same people are talking about Nolan Patrick's migraines like they're just headaches and he's soft. Like, it's the same fucking people that are like, well, Oscar Lindblom's mental health. Like, all you need to say is that you don't care about the players and that you just want hockey back. Like, that's all you have to say. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I'm not even there's I'm not even getting into that section of the internet because I saw, And obviously no one here is saying yeah, that. No, not a no, single yeah, person it's not here us. Is saying I'm, that. You, no. you scroll Twitter long enough, you find enough fucking idiots out there. Just to, go into my mentions. Like, Just go into my mentions. Yeah, they're, it, they're all there. There's no shortage of imbeciles on the internet. Like that's that we know that. Um, now I saw I saw people defending Nolan Patrick today, and I don't know why, and I don't know what happened. Did something happened. Oh, yeah, some, I, I saw some, a meme. Some, yeah, some idiot posted a meme that was basically like Oscar Limblom comes back from cancer, and Nolan Patrick's out with headaches. Like, psh, look who's tougher. Oh Lord, this oh, guy who's never person. never no, no. done a thing in his life. <laughs> <laughs> Let me find this. Yeah, Thank I you. wouldn't. I, I don't. I didn't oh, even no. want to. Like, why even? It's fucking. Yeah, those stupid. are the sort. Those are the sort of things I just don't want to even signal boost. But yeah, it was. Yeah. It was pretty shitty. Yeah. All right. No, I. I'm. I'm. I've got things to say. So speaking <laughs> about the. Uh, speaking of the um, awesome state of our, you know, world right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's right. People were living in Tampa Bay during all of this. Well, like they all have COVID. Uh, there was an outbreak in <laughs> Florida. Like uh, we and Steph yelled about this on yelling about sports yesterday. So I want to ask Kelly and Charlie, who in the fuck thought Florida was a good idea? Florida's well, first of all, Florida's never a good idea. No, exactly. Florida's the worst place in the world <laughs> normally. But especially now where people, I think Florida might have been the worst, like the first place that people were like, you know what, uh, this doesn't exist anymore. We're just not going to do this. We're just not going to do virus protection anymore and just decided to go about living their regular lives. So I figure if any teams are going to get some COVID, it's going to be the Florida teams because it's a mess down there. But um, no one. The boys are no longer back in town. They are not. <laughs> it, no, it they doesn't really seem... are back in town again. Like the only <laughs> they reopened the facilities today, so they are back in town yet again for a second time. Like it, it, it didn't seem to affect anything. Like the only thing that I saw that even remotely suggested that there was a problem was like Steven Stamkos like quote tweeting something that the NHL said about phase two starting, and he was like, "Oh, okay, like is it? Because I've got COVID." <laughs> but um, <laughs> that was like the only thing that I saw. Otherwise, it doesn't seem to be a thing at all. Nobody no, cares. like the the only the one question I have like on the outline about this is, does this change anything? And it's a hypothetical because it's very clearly nope. Doesn't appear to. <laughs> like Everyone's I, I just, just like yeah, these guys got it, so uh, that happened. And, and that's why I don't. That's why I think like unless it literally runs rampant through like five teams, the scenario Charlie laid out in the beginning where they start but don't finish. I don't think that's going to happen because it's very clear. Yeah, if, like, you know, five, six guys on a team get it, we're not that worried about it. Put them in a bubble. They'll be fine. I mean, that's, that the, is, that, like, that's the hope. The, the hope is that this bubble will, will prevent mm-hmm. that. The, the thing that you can't – the, the big thing with this is that – and I'm not saying this to, like, shit on hockey players by any means because you're seeing that, like, the entirety of society is doing this. But, like – 
are we really trusting that all these players are going to stay in the bubble once it starts? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And even if they intend to, I, I just feel like if you're posted up in a hotel in a city someplace and also you've been given entertainment options, like there have to be people working at these places and making them run. And I feel like even if you're trying really hard to keep yourself inside of the bubble, at some point, someone else is going to like walk into the circle and then walk out again. And who the hell knows what that person's doing? No, and that's that's the real concern. It's not even the athletes, really, that I... Mm-hmm. Yes, obviously, grown-ass men are going to try to leave and be on their own and do independent things at some point in these months. But really, it's like, yeah, who is working at these hotels? Who are... Uh, what... Uh, Who's do, is it just going to be the trainers like washing the sheets of the beds? What is it's is it going to be the hotel staff? Are they living there too? There's just so many questions that maybe there are answers to that we don't know. It just seems wildly unrealistic to think that there won't be some sort of quarantine break, some sort of yeah, like burst of the bubble. Yeah. There's there's a good article on pension plan puppets, and the title of it is, hold on, I've got to pull it up. Um, NHL chooses silence over leadership on COVID-19, and it's essentially mm-hmm. how there are just way too many questions that we don't have the answers to. And, and that's that, why, that's and, some- and that is, you know, from as simple t- as, have teams been following the phase two protocols in all locations? Like that's a pretty simple question that we don't have the answers to. Yeah, like we assume, but what happens if they don't? Is there any sort of like who's overseeing it? You know? Yeah, no, I don't that's know. A good point. And, and I mean, you know, not to like. I mean, I'm going to come off as tooting my own horn here, at least my profession's horn, but that is one thing that journalists do is, you know, they kind of can function as watchdogs. Like, okay, is this actually being adhered to? And, you know, they're there. They're making sure that what the team is saying is happening is actually happening. Well, and this is completely justified, we're not allowed at these. You know, we're not allowed to go to the facility. And I'm not saying that's the wrong move because it's not. We shouldn't be. There's really no immediate need for us to be there from a, you know, have to watch Phil Meyer skate around for 30 minutes and then, you know, stick a microphone in his face. But it is true that because we are not allowed to be there, we can't point out if any of these teams are breaking what they say they're doing. I mean, the NHL's not transparent in the best of times so i never really expected that we were going to know everything that was going on there is just going to have to be a level of trust on our part that they are going to do it responsibly if for no other reason than they want to make as much money as possible and in order to do that they have to protect their assets which are players so see i don't i don't think of it that way i think that they want to make as much money as possible so they're going to keep everything quiet well, I, I think that they're they're just not going to say if players test positive. They're just not. Yeah, but if if guys get sick, then they can't play hockey, and that affects the product. And I don't think sounds like an upper body injury. Yeah, that's what we talked about yesterday. Like, if a guy, you know, there's going to be a condensed schedule. If a guy's not in the lineup with an upper body, and they're not telling us what it is for three straight games, why wouldn't I assume it's an upper respiratory? But the Unless problem I saw there him is, got hit. like Charlie said, if. If we're in game and we're playing games and one guy comes back positive, it's not going to be just that guy. There's absolutely no way. So I don't know that they would be able to if like, you know, 
the top two lines go down because they all sit next to each other in the locker room. Like, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to disguise all of those as maybe somebody pulled a shoulder. Like, I don't yeah, know no, if, if, yeah. if the Penguins and Habs are playing and, like, it's game three of their best of five and suddenly both of them are 25% AHL guys. Yeah, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be pretty safe right, to that's, assume. That's different, that's different from trusting the NHL to be doing everything properly. Oh, and, no, it, and... Like, that's different. That's much different. That's This is very clear that things have gone wildly astray. Yeah, right. and, and, and no, and I, I'm just saying going into it, I, I am assuming that even if you don't trust that they give a fuck about these guys on a human level, they want the product that they're putting on the ice to be as high quality as possible, particularly because they're going to be, you know, one of the only things happening. Um, I forget yeah, I when baseball starting. I think they care about the quality. I think they just care to get it done. But like, if if Ovechkin and Panarin get sick, fewer people will watch, and that affects yeah. them long term. They have a TV contract coming up. Yeah, there is a an interest for them, like monetarily, to keep these guys healthy. So I am just going into it with the assumption that they are going to be doing as much as they possibly can to keep them safe. Now. Does that mean there's no risk? Absolutely not. Like we just talked about, there's definitely going to be somebody walking in and out of these bubbles that they aren't keeping a close eye on. But I do think that they are going to be as much as possible, at the very least, trying to put as many protocols into place that will keep them safe. Am I crazy for just not no. thinking that way? No, I don't think like, so. I just I think don't. It's a valid opinion. I don't trust the NHL. They they still say that there's no link between concussions and CTE. Like yeah. this is not a league that gives a shit about the players or the health of their players. I don't that's what I'm saying. I don't think they do. I think they give a shit about making money. Yeah, but that I I don't think that to them in in my head just having the product back in season playing again is good enough. I don't think so. Especially without gate, like there's no one there. Like they need yeah, this. They need to, the stars. They need the numbers of this to vastly improve what they get in their next TV negotiation. That's how I but look if at no, it. But if no other leagues are playing, we've seen this. If no other sports are playing, people are going to watch. People yeah. have been staying up Maybe. until 6 a.m. to watch Korean baseball. People are going. <laughs> NASCAR is a thing that people are watching now. Like, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Yeah, when are going to back? watch? People. No. Uh, baseball's like basically on its way back, kind of, sort of. We'll a date? see. I thought they set a date. It's, they have it's a not date. not going to be anytime soon. But, you know, it's I it was baseball. Like July something. I think July is when training camps are supposed to start. Oh, okay. Training. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, how much overlap there's going to be between the NHL and baseball, and I'm assuming there's going to be quite a bit. I mean, yeah, it's, there could be basketball, too. So it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, hard, it's hard to know. It's hard to know if any of these things are actually going to work. But we are getting closer to the point where, you know, all these leads are going to be given at a. The old college try, so. Ah, college try. That's fun. Uh, so <laughs> It's funny because there's no colleges now. Yeah. Charlie and <laughs> Kelly and I talked about this last week, and I brought it up briefly with Steph yesterday. Uh, basically, oh, I said, like, before we move into the next phase, while we're in, you know, phase two, don't we need, like, with phase three approaching, shouldn't there be more known details of phase four like I, I just it seems like we don't know for sure enough of anything about the next phase right well it no, seems we like should, they're we getting 
they're getting closer to picking a hub city, which is actually one of the things I find really insane in all this is that like I get I, I, I get the appeal and I get the money, but like are we really gonna try to pick Vegas as one of the hub cities? Yeah, when Nevada is oh one of the hotspots. Oh, right we now? talked like, about that really yesterday. That's this? the dumbest idea. Do it out. Do it at a beach in Florida. Why don't you? It seems like they're going. Like they're going. They're heading for like Vegas, Toronto, which seems so, like a fucking I, so I've heard, mess. I've heard Vancouver. Like, they need to do like, like Idaho, North Dakota. So I heard Vancouver is is like high on the list as well. But in my mind, I feel like they need an Eastern time zone city. But I guess maybe yeah, they don't. I mean, it doesn't really matter because they're going to be playing games during the day anyway. Yeah. But, like, does That's that true. mean they're going to be – because they're there and they're stuck there. They're going to be on that time zone. Are they going to be playing games at 10 a.m. there? Maybe. Which maybe means that we're watching I mean, them maybe. at 6, which seems less than ideal. No, the other one. Way, 1 p.m. Oh, yeah. Time zones. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I was just thinking, how's Hawaii doing? Are they like they're remote, right? Do they, they have hockey? Be fine. Send them all there. They should do the thing like they were trying to do with UFA. Just find an an island somewhere and put all the hockey players on it. Fight every island. single uh, hockey, one of them. Hockey I, island. I said this on both of my podcasts yesterday. Oh, both I, of our. I guess. I guess they're ours. I accidentally stole mine. your idea. <laughs> well, no, it's 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 like it's the best summer camp ever <laughs> like you're in one place that's really fun and cool with all of your buds and you're getting fed and you don't really have to leave the building like it's the best summer camp ever and also at the same time the worst family vacation that just will never end <laughs> that's i hope i hope to god like watching uh watching the uh michael jordan documentary the the espn thing that they did the 10 part series like, they had the foresight to be like, we need cameras around the Bulls last season to document all of this. And now I realize, like, there's a limit on how much media and everything can be there. But the NHL has to do something to document the absolute absurdity that is going to be these two hub cities and oh, the God, players so. all being stuck together in them. Just some- Like, they're going to be, like, they're just going to be sitting in the hallway six feet away from each other, like playing poker long distance like it's gonna be fucking crazy like what does the stanley cup championship celebration look like well at that point i mean um, no at that point like it's not like the players are going to be social distancing from each yeah other. no yeah you can't it's it's, Listen, it's everyone else my dreams okay but like is it just them in an empty hotel lobby like <laughs> fucking spraying champagne on each other in like there's in a deserted island basically do all the other teams, like, does the other team have to go back to the same hotel? Do they party with them? Because fuck it, why not? Like, Why not, what? right? <laughs> like, what happens? I'm just, I, one thing that hit me about the this idea of, like, a very strict bubble for the teams. You know who's, like, the most excited about this idea of a very strict bubble? Kevin Hayes. I was just you know going to say God, Kevin Hayes. You, you, know, you know who's looking forward to it the least? Every other Flyers player that has to be around Kevin Hayes for two straight months. <laughs> yeah, Nolan Patrick say, like, does not want to deal with this shit. <laughs> at, a, at a certain, yeah, no, Nolan Patrick's cleared for contact. He's just like, I ain't fucking doing this. <laughs> I cannot be around these people. What are you doing to me? 
to- oh imagine imagine twenty four seven Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny. Like that's my dream, but probably not anybody else. No, like Travis Konechny's going to show up to a game with a black eye, and Jake Voracek's going to be out with a broken hand. <laughs> and we're just going to be like, Kevin well, Hayes I wonder what like, happened here. He's just All like right, to me. Be... He's like he's like the epitome of extra, which is great <laughs> in small doses. But like twenty four hours a day of Kevin Hayes for like a month, it would be amazing. <laughs> Oh God, it'd be so good. Just give him a camera. That's it. That's all I need. For, the four. For this. You know what we need to do in solidarity. The four of us and Craig and Steve need to hole up in Steph's house for the duration of the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, we could do that. Can we? Um, can we use Ava's beach house instead? Oh yeah. Okay. Ooh, I like that idea. <laughs> sure. I'm sure yeah, that be, probably sure won't cause would any be into it. Yeah. <laughs> Can I bring all my pets? Yeah, why not? I've got three. Yeah. I live I think, there, I so the why can't guy? animals? Out of all six of us, me and Kelly are the only ones with pets? We have a dog. Oh, that's right. Not Rowdy. No, yeah, Bo. Not Rowdy. Yeah. All right, what we're going to do is take a break now, and on the other side, I don't know, we might screw around talking about this some more, and I want to get to the uh, the best games we've been to. Last week, we did the worst. This week, I want to do some positive stuff, so best games we've been to on the other side. All right, everybody, we're back, and I just wanted to get uh, back to, before we do the best games... I asked, and we got sidetracked because it's hilarious thinking about what the hell this is going to be like. But, like, what do we know for sure about the next phase? What is... I know July 10 is the target date for training camp, so we kind of have that in our heads. But that's not that long from now. Like, what's today? The 23rd? The 24th? So, we're a couple of weeks away from the next phase... And we don't know what the phase after that is going to entail at all. So what do we, like, know for sure right now about phase three and four? Um, hold on. I've got the their slideshow up right now. But I think the answer is not very much. Yeah. Um, I mean, we know it's training camp. We know it's going to last a couple weeks. We know there's going to be a couple, one or two exhibition games before everything starts. And we know that the players are going to get tested every day. Beyond that, a lot of the specifics, I still think, need to be negotiated, right? Yeah. Yeah, they haven't agreed. They haven't even agreed on, like, the vote of playing or not. They don't, whether that's that's going to be a thing. I just, it is fucking insane to me they don't have the hub cities picked out yet. We know the draft lottery is going to happen in part one on Friday. Oh, yeah, that's, that's good. Friday, right? Yeah, the nonsense draft lottery. That's the <laughs> dumbest shit I ever heard in my life. We have that part figured out. Yay. Had to get that done. Um, no, it's, uh, it, you know, there was, when, on Friday of last week, when the, the news came out about, um, about Tampa's facility, about the Philadelphia Phillies facility in Florida, um, when the Austin Matthews uh, report was made, um, there was a, it was an article that I, I believe it was on our site. I believe Michael Russo did it, um, in tandem with another writer I, who I'm blanking on, but basically it was, uh, might've been customs, but, uh, but basically it had some, uh, some players, uh, anonymous quotes that were saying like, there better be a full league vote here because there are a lot of players that are skeptical that this is a good idea. And 
maybe that's died down a bit since there hasn't been any like further obviously bad news about the NHL over the the, the following like three four days but I definitely get the sense that there are players that are very skeptical of this return to play which adds another wrench into all of this because like if there's enough players like the easy way for the for the NHLPA to do this would be just to have the uh the player reps for each team basically vote like via proxy for yeah. you know whether they're going to come back but the player in this article basically was like we better have a full you know a full body vote like we better not do that because i want my voice to be heard and if that's the case then like who knows how this shakes out like we've already there already i've read two nba players who are like nah i'm good on going to the bubble in orlando and region and joining their teams for the restart have it seems like that player might be leaning to towards that Charlie like have we heard anything about guys who are like no I'm not doing it I mean I think it probably varies from team to team I haven't gotten anything like even like you know rumblings of there being Flyers players that aren't interested in coming back but you have to take into account the fact that like the Flyers think they can win the cup so yeah. like they 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 pretty much like it's it's a different story if you play for like Montreal or, like, a team that, like, yeah, you're probably not winning, and it's like, what's the point? Or, like, uh, If you play for Montreal, you better have all your eggs in that money puck thing that says you're the favorite against Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's understandable for players to look at this and say that, you know, this isn't something I necessarily want to get railroaded into doing, you know? Do we believe the uh, Austin Matthews report, or is this just, like, Toronto having to insert itself in fucking everything? No, I mean I believe it. Now whether <laughs> I my, believe my that he opinion, has it. Yeah. My opinion of whether he should have been reported is another story, but I believe it. I yeah. I'm sh I, I don't doubt the validity of the report. Oh, I just doubted. I was just making a joke about how does this affect the Leafs? Oh yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally believe that he tested positive. Whether he's symptomatic is a different question. I mean, Arizona um, is a, as big a shit show as Florida, so it's not super surprising. Really? Yeah, and you know rumors have been that he has not been very careful about quarantine which i mean he's what 23 three yeah 22 23 i think yeah Something like that like of course he's not how how like yeah no he's the our age parents aren't being careful about <laughs> quarantine why would you expect austin matthews to be careful and that's that's it? another whole at like we talk about like these guys like kevin hayes jake voracek claude Giroux. these are guys who are like legit grown men but we forget a lot of these players are the age of the people who were going down to spring break in florida going yeah i don't give a shit like it, it is kind of there's a big overlap there that's very true and they're all so so dumb they're yeah. just so dumb there's not yeah, a lot like, of I, I don't want to make sweeping generalizations about well, like jocks but like I mean, most, most of us I are played dumb hockey. between... The were the hockey players the smartest guys in high school? Like, most of us were dumb between the ages of 18 and 23. Let's be realistic here. These I kids that don't make good decisions. Thank you very much. These kids that come out of Canadian juniors, like, are barely literate. Like, they don't know what they're doing. They can't fetch. That's mean, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's not... I would like you to know Alex Lyon went to Yale. I know, he went to Yale. He's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's, it's like uh i'm talking about the kids that start playing hockey when they're like 14 and then never really have to do school anymore they're here to play hockey they're 14. not here to play school 
You yeah, we're like not here four, to play you school. You mean four, well, not 14. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like when you're like in fifth grade, they're still kind of making you do your homework. But once they figure out that you're probably going to be in NHL, they're like, nah, you don't have to read things. Just go play hockey. It's fine. <laughs> I actually, along those lines, I read a story on Father's Day about uh, Jacob Chikrin and his father, Jeff Chikrin, former flyer. Um, and then his, their grandfather, Jacob's grandfather, and I forget his first name, but another Chikrin. Um, and apparently Jeff made sure that Jake really focused on school so they'd be traveling all over north america and canada for jake chikrin to play hockey and then go home and he had to do homework and he maintained a 4.0 through high school which is shocking Let's number just... one when you look like that Exception. you're not a 4.0 student when you play hockey and, and have a a future in the nhl you're not a 4.0 student i was shocked no, I've I've Good heard uh, I've heard I've heard Chikrin's a smart guy. Um, I've never I've never interviewed him, but the uh, the people I know that have have interviewed him both on a daily basis and for features say he's a, a really smart. Like uh, I, I I'm trying to think of the right word. Like he's just he's just a thoughtful guy. Like he's he's not just somebody who just like is riding through life on hockey. And he's a comrade. Oh, <laughs> is he? Yep. I didn't know that. You yep. know that's because he's oh, smart. We, we stand. We stand, Jacob Chikrin. For a lot of reasons. I still don't really know what that means, but I do like when someone's a comrade. He's a comrade. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know where this conversation just went. I don't know what happened either. So I missed last week. You did. Because I had, like, way too much work stuff to do. But you guys talked about the worst games ever attended. Yeah, what's yours, Steph? I need to tell you mine. Okay. Um, I don't remember the date, and I don't remember... The final score. But do you remember in Dave Haxtall's tenure? No. There was this one game against <laughs> Boston at home where Boston, I think they had eight goals. Seven or eight goals, and the Flyers just completely collapsed, and it was laughable. And, it sounds and it like something they of, would do. It was one of the games where there were audible fire Haxtall chance mm. i was at that game and it was <laughs> fucking painful i i i've blocked it all out because it was all it was all a means to an end in my mind that was our own personal little process that's how it was a terrible experience to have to be at that game and sitting in your seat for the whole fucking time because you paid to be there it was just bad it was bad and not fun we are not having fun yeah, I mean, that was most of that, like, time period, and yeah. the players kind of, you know, agree. Yeah, true. All right, gang, so let's get to the best games we've ever been to. I credited it uh, last week, but I'll do it again. This is another stolen content idea off of uh, Seamus Clancy. I subscribed to his newsletter, and he's been running through the best and worst games over the last couple weeks that he's attended. So I wanted to do that as well. So who wants to kick things off with the best game they've ever been to, Philadelphia Flyers edition? Um, I'll go. I'll go first since I just said my my worst. So my best was, um, shit, I can't remember the year. 2000 and... Oh, fuck. Um, 17, 18? When, all right, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you the scenario and you'll tell me what you Was it the was. Shen uh, hat trick game? No, but I was at that game. Yeah. 
<laughs> I know. I we was were there. We were there at the Sons of Penn, and you weren't with us when he got the third goal. And it was like, Steph's favorite player isn't with us. I know. I know. That it was, was Brawlady game. I know. And I wasn't the Brawlady <laughs> when under any other circumstances I would have been. I was busy talking about my career Rude. with a colleague, and it was it was trash. Um, so it was the final game of the season. The Flyers were playing the Penguins, and it was the game that the, the Flyers needed to win. It was the final home game of the season. I think that there was an away game afterwards, but um, they needed to win that game to make it into the playoffs, and they did, and they killed... Flurry and, um, God, what's his name? Matt Murray, like in that game. That this was this was the the series that the Pens went into the playoffs using their third string goalie because the Flyers had killed the first two. Mm, that what is year good. was this? Some, I think I remember somebody that who game. has a memory. Tell me what year this was. Was it the um, was it the two thousand fifteen sixteen season? Was that the um? Was that the was that the home game that uh, that uh, Lauren Hart sung to Ed Snyder? Were you at that one? I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Could it have been? Could it have been as long ago as 2015? I guess. It well, could it, have it, it would have been 2016 because of the 2015-16 season, the Gosses Bear amazing season. You know what? That sounds right. Braden Shen was still with the team. Um. Yeah, that sounds right. But the the atmosphere was fucking incredible as the Flyers just thoroughly beat the Penguins. Now, of course, they went into the playoffs and fizzled, but um, it was it was just a really fun game, and that's the best game I ever been to. I've ever been to. Seems like a I solid have a three one win against the penguins on 4916 at home last home game of the year looks like it could have been that one yeah i'm checking i'm checking my email right now cuz i would have bought the tickets on stubhub <laughs> so my how about you kelly so when i was thinking about this in my mind i could remember a comeback win over the penguins that was like an incredibly good time but then I couldn't remember when that actually happened. And then as I was researching, I became concerned that I might have invented this game or like <laughs> conflated, like put two games together in my mind. Um, There's a game in 2012 that it could have been when Scott Hartnell won in overtime 3-2 against the Penguins. But since I can't remember if this is an actual real event that happened or if I just made it up in my head, I decided to go with uh, the... Game 82, Claude Drew, hat trick, get over 100 points, team gets into the playoffs. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, that was that was a really fun game to be at. I had really good seats. The building was out of control, loud. G just, like, went out there and killed it, and it was a really good time. So that's the one I'm going with. I know it actually happened. So... I'm going to make a distinction here because I, I I think this like it's an important distinction that I have to make. Like I've been to some good games as a journalist, but they just have a different feel than yeah. games yeah. you're at as a fan. So like there have been games I went to and covered that were awesome. Like the Stadium Series game at Lincoln Financial Field was amazing, but I wasn't like I was working. So while it was a cool atmosphere and I'll I'll ne- I'll never forget it. It's just a different vibe than being a fan and getting excited from a fan perspective. So 
limiting my choices just to games I was at as a fan. For me, it's game three of the first round of the 2010 series against the Devils, the game that Carcillo scored the game-winning goal in overtime. That's I was there, too, and that game was fucking great. That so was such I had a tickets, great moment. I had tickets with my mom in the lower bowl, and we were on the side of the ice where Carcillo scored it. So I had, like, this nice. amazing view for the goal, and I'll never forget it. It was incredible. His incredible reaction moment. was just, like, one of my favorite things that's ever happened. He was just, like, searching for someone to celebrate with. And he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I just scored an overtime game winner in the playoffs. What the fuck just happened? And he was just like, yeah, What do I do? I, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Bill, you're right. It was it was April 9th, 2016. Thank you. That's I saw they used they used Zach Koff and Murray in that game, so yep. it looked like that was the right one. Yeah. Now yep. Carcillo's overtime one. Uh, anytime you go to a playoff game, it's mm. just a different atmosphere. And oh, we yes. talk about how the Wells Fargo Center maybe in in recent seasons hasn't been you know the one we grew up with, and definitely is not the Spectrum. Uh, but on April 30th, 2008, man, uh, game four against Montreal in the second round of the playoffs, it was absolutely the atmosphere that we remember from being uh, young Flyers fans. So a little backstory. Uh, the Flyers blew a late lead in Montreal in Montreal typical fashion in game one of this series. Richard, uh, Mike Richards got called for a bogus knee. Montreal tied it up with 29 seconds left after Carter's stick broke on the faceoff. The whole thing was a debacle, but really it started because the game was probably fixed because it was in Montreal and Mike Richards got called for a bullshit penalty. Uh, but <laughs> Philly won the next two, thanks in large part to R.J. Umberger. He had three goals in uh, in the two wins coming into game four. Uh, they were looking to take a commanding lead. Umberger opened the scoring midway through the second, and Hartnell put the Flyers up two midway through the third. Things were going great, and that's where I really... This was when the, the Wells Fargo... I've never felt it like this. So loud, especially for the two goals. And I don't want to get into specifics because, you know, I'm in this business, but... There was some real Spectrum stuff going on up in the upper levels of the stadium, possibly even veteran stadium-like stuff. I'm not going to say who. I'm just going to say there were people smoking cigarettes up there. <laughs> I may have seen somebody. I was in the very back row, the very last row of the arena all the way up. I may have seen somebody turn around and relieve themselves behind the seat. Um, there, were, there was... Two Montreal fans in our section, they absolutely got pelted with beers and were chased out. They were moved oh by security. It was just well, the most raucous Flyers crowd I have ever been a part of. And then shit kind of went bad. Montreal scores two in like 35 seconds. Boom, tie game late in the third period. But who comes through? Mr. Playoffs, Danny Briere with a power play goal. R.J. Umberger gets the empty netter. Flyers win 4-2. They then go to Montreal to uh, close it out in five in a crazy game five. But holy shit, I looked back on this. Charlie, I read your, uh, like, the best playoff performances article you did. Yeah, yeah. And this wouldn't necessarily crack the top ten. But holy shit, R.J. Umberger in 2008, <laughs> 10 goals, 15 points in 17 playoff games. That's why He only had 13 goals that whole season. That was Primo-esque. I, yeah. 
can't believe that R.J. Umberger did that. <laughs> Neither can yeah. I. He scored, I think, eight goals in that series, at least one in every game. This series did get an honorable mention in Charlie's uh, 10 best playoff series. Didn't make the top 10, but got an honorable mention. You got to swap out one of them, Charlie. It, it belongs in there. <laughs> Over, uh, I, I left a comment on your article, but I don't remember which one I wanted to swap out. But it was one they lost. Or, no, it was the Sabres series that they almost lost in seven. That's the one that you got to take out of there because it was a near fucking embarrassment. That was such a crazy series, though. Like, just from a sheer entertainment value standpoint, that series was bonkers. They almost lost to the seventh seed in the first round. They were yeah, president's trophy yeah, but they, candidate. But they did it. And, they, and they, they, they scared us to death for a week and a half. But they did it. They ended up blowing them out in Game Seven, and that's why it's in there. Uh, but no, the series was great. But yeah, the uh, no, the Umberger Umberger was a, was one that I considered for my top ten for um, uh, for the uh, like best performances. And you know, credit uh, credit the Flyers on this one. Credit Paul Holmgren because like. You talk about selling high. Umberger had that playoff series, and then that offseason they trade him for a first-round pick. Like that is the epitome of selling high on a guy. I love they it. They got yeah, and I think it was uh, I think it was Lucas Pisa and Mark Andre Bourdon they got in the for the draft picks they got for him. Now listen, didn't work out, but it seemed like it would at one point. Lucas Pizza. No, I mean, from, an, from an asset standpoint, it was brilliant. It was like oh, yeah, no, this guy. This I guy just wanted, looked like I a superstar bring, for two weeks. All right, sure, trade him away. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to bring this up because uh, as bad as Umberger's final stint here was, let us never forget, as you put it in your article, the time R.J. Umberger channeled his inner Mario Lemieux for a week. <laughs> <laughs> he was also, unstoppable. Also, holy shit, Darian Hatcher was still on the team in 07-08. He played in 15 of 17 playoff games and averaged 21 minutes. I had no idea. Yeah, I forgot he lasted beyond. Like, I, I guess I just, I had him tied up in my head with Mike Ratchie. Yeah. And Mike Ratchie only had the one year. I had sort of put out of my head that Hatcher survived the year that must not be named and stayed around for a little bit longer. Yeah, and he's... This is when they bring in Jason Smith, but Hatcher's no longer, like, interim captain. Jason, the whole thing's weird. Uh, but, Charlie, you brought up best games you've covered, and I just have to say, this led me down the R.J. Umberger rabbit hole. I don't, it wasn't a great game. I don't really remember it. But when Umberger broke his 50-game goalless drought... <laughs> <laughs> that was an all-time moment because I stood up in the press box, pointed, and fucking laughed. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I didn't care if they kicked me out. They kicked me out. It was the funniest <laughs> shit I ever saw because he just put his arms up. He couldn't believe it. The whole thing happened in such slow motion. Like Gagne just dishes. Uh, Sam Gagne dishes a pass across, uh, like across the ice, and he just taps it in, and it was. Holy shit, 50 games without a goal. He actually got one. Let us remember the good times with R.J. Umberger. He had a cheeseburger at the Coba Banana named after him. The R.J. Umberger. Really? When he was on the Phantoms. Oh, did not know that. At the Coba Banana. An <laughs> interesting tidbit. <laughs> I think it's still open. I just have, haven't been be. there since college. I don't think that they are. Oh, Abs. that's a shame. You hate to see it. <laughs> They were they were real good for an underage martini. <laughs> <laughs> the 
that's whenever uh, whenever I had a party in college, my one roommate and I would skim some of the money the next morning before everyone else woke up and go celebrate our successful party at the Copa Banana. I respect it. Oh, God. Who knew All that right. place had so many memories? Uh, who knew? Who knew? Uh, do we want to get into the Stephen John stuff just because it was a really cool story, something to end on here? I didn't read it, but we probably should because he's got a great comeback story. Yeah, that's it's just an awesome story. He was out for like 22 months uh, with post-concussion syndrome, post-concussion headaches, uh, traumatic brain injury, and worked his way back. And it's just such an uh, an awesome story. And it really, honestly, it's it's an un, it's a different scenario altogether uh, because it's not a migraine disorder. It is it stems from post-concussion syndrome, but it just really encouraged me on Nolan Patrick's situation, but also made me think about more than the hockey player with Nolan Patrick. Like, this guy was supposed to be, like, a great player, drafted two overall, has had injury issues in his past, but hockey was never taken away from him in the way it has been and how he could potentially be dealing with this. And Steven Johns gets into it. He couldn't sleep at night because he was in some such tremendous pain. And he'd just be laying there staring at the ceiling, composing suicide notes in his head. Now, I have no idea about Nolan Patrick's mental state. But it just reminds you that, fuck, they are people. Like, all of a sudden, my head hurts. I don't know how to make it stop. And I can't do the one thing I fucking love. Yeah. It's incredible. Now, I have absolutely no insider information on, on no 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 I'm just, just like thinking about I how just, it I could just go read what I see and what I see is you know a guy who as soon as the NHL said it's okay to go back home immediately went back home immediately went back to Winnipeg uh, when the team was on um long road trips that he didn't attend with them cut off all his hair got a couple new tattoos like this is a guy they hired they brought on chris stewart just to be his friend (laughs) just to be his friend and chris stewart would call him a couple times a week and just check in like hey how's your mental state today like this is a guy who's having he's having a hard time and we need to like you know stop making jokes about nolan patrick and his brain i just i really hope that the reason Chris Stewart was brought in was to be the professional best friend and not because someone thought he could play. That's just <laughs> really my hope. No, but he, so, just, he was Nolan Patrick's buddy. Something I really took out of this story, um, because even you know a specialist, someone whose whole life is dedicated to the brain, they don't know what the fuck to do a lot of the time. Uh, there's just this yeah. one passage. It said... Chronic chronic headaches sent him to a neurologist who told him the headaches were a result of anxiety and stress. He said, go home, have some beers and hang out with your buddies. The headaches will go away. Turns out Bill Matz could be a fucking neurologist. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say, for any medical professionals listening, please stop diagnosing life-threatening things as anxiety. (laughs) Yes. Because, you know, people know when they're having an anxiety attack. And if they're telling you that they're not, you know, don't tell them to go home and have beers or to relax because they might have blood clots in their lungs. I'll tell you what always makes me... Or they might be having a stroke. I'll tell you what always relaxes me when someone says relax. Oh, yeah, that'll... 
really get you going. I'll do, yeah, that doesn't make me fly off the fucking handle for the smallest little reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, I, I, it's, uh, I read it on The Athletic. It was just a really crazy, interesting story about a guy who overcame a lot and eventually ended up getting his life back. But really, it's more about... Look at this. These are still people. If you ever lose sight of that a little, man, losing hockey means losing a whole lot to them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really important. And I'm glad that we're kind of ending on this note because it is super important to remember. Good job, Bill. All right. Yeah. Good for me. All right. So that was all the time. How much uh, was this even like a normal length show? Oh, look at that. We're over an hour. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So uh, thank you all for hanging out. Thank you for listening. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Of course, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. You'll see us. Hit subscribe. It's super simple. Bunch of content gets delivered to you all the time. You'll enjoy it. I promise. Flyers are coming back. You're going to want to stay up to date with us. It's going to be a fun run. I really think so. For Steph, for Kelly, for Charlie, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!